Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast and today's episode is 94. So if you head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash 094, you'll get all the show notes. And today, we welcome back to the show Gary Huang, host of the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Now, each year, Gary invites around 20 seven-figure sellers onto his virtual summit, names such as, uh, well, familiar names such as Tim Jordan, Brandon Jupski, Chris Davey, Michael Michelini, Mike Jackness, and many, many others who share their secrets to seven-figure Amazon success. And today, Gary shares with us his top 10 takeouts from the summit, from finding profitable products right through to selling your business and how to maximize the sale price of your Amazon business when you exit and everything in between. And Gary is kindly offering a free pass to the recordings of the most recent summit. Normally, it's almost 300 bucks. So get off Netflix and start binging the Seven Figure Seller Summit instead. So all you got to do is head over to sevenfiguresellersummit.com. Uh, we talked about PickFu today. Um, I mentioned that I have a coupon code which will save you 50% off your first test. So please use AU seller as your coupon code AU seller. Now, speaking of tools, if you'd like to save 50% on your first month, 10% off for lifetime access to Helium 10, just go over to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash Helium 10. And a couple of quick announcements and shout outs before we get started on today's show. Last Tuesday night, I hosted a Facebook Live panel. I think it was my first with five of the speakers of the upcoming Branded by Women event. So there was Megla, uh, Megla Bardwaj, Regina Peterbergsky, Sharon Evan, Jana Krekic, and of course, Silv Stefanovic. Uh, now, the Branded by Women Summit is taking place between the 27th and the 29th of May. So it's not far away. And it features three days of content, three interactive live shows, and 30 plus world-class female speakers. So please visit brandedbywomen.com to register for your free ticket. Anyway, later that night, I was actually part of a really fun panel on seller sessions hosted by a really good friend of mine, Danny McMillan, who's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, and, and again, we share an Evan um, twice in one day. So together with uh, Norman Farrar, where we shared our best, if you can call it that, our best failed Amazon products. So that was a really, really funny session. Uh, so please join my Facebook group over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook to watch the replays of both those live shows. Um now, don't forget I'm offering private coaching this year, so head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session with me. Uh, that's enough of that. Let's get on with today's show with Gary Huang. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast, and I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show Gary Huang, who is the host of the Seven Figure Summit. It's a virtual summit featuring about 20 or so Amazon experts, and today I believe, Gary, we're going to go through the top 10 learnings that you had from your recent Seven Figure Summit. So welcome back to the show, Gary. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. I'm super excited to be back, and um, you know, I think a lot of people are still stuck at home. Um, they may be, you know, binging on Netflix and all that good stuff. So um, I think with the Seven Figure Seller Summit, you know, since we interviewed over $20 million e-commerce experts, uh, e-commerce sellers, you know, there's a lot of uh, takeaways. So I thought that, you know, this could be a good way for people to level up and, um, 
And today, I, you know, this is just me, but these were the top 10 takeaways for me personally, you know, just being a Amazon seller. So I was hoping that I could share and uh, help some other people as well. Sounds good. Um, you're currently in still in Japan. I think last time we spoke, you're in Japan and you're still there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So um, the story is uh, previously we were based in Shanghai. We lived there for the past 12 years. Um, I'm from America. My wife is from China. And then we have a 17-month-old son. Um, so <laughs> the thinking was wintertime, Shanghai was really cold. So we left Shanghai in November. We were going to do a couple months. Uh, travel, you know, digital nomad family in Southeast Asia and return after Chinese New Year. But then Corona hit. Uh, obviously, we couldn't go back. So we decided to make a detour in Japan. So basically, we've been in Japan for the past uh, three and a half months. So we're just waiting and seeing before, um, you know, we can go back. Because right now, um, you know, as a foreigner in China, I, I can't go back, even though I have a residence permit. You know, they're forbidding, you know, foreign nationals to go back. So we're kind of in the in the limbo right now but um overall you know we're pretty thankful um the situation is pretty stable here in japan so we're fortunate to be able to spend some time here and um the food here is excellent by the way so <laughs> can't really complain about that <laughs> <laughs> that's good i can think of worse yeah. places to be locked down that's for sure yeah. all right um Cool, man. Thanks for this. Thanks for the um, the update there from Japan. Uh, we've been getting updates from just about everywhere, from India, from Singapore, from Vietnam recently. Obviously, you know, here in Australia, we're pretty, you know, we all know what's going on here. Um, we're getting on top of things here, which is what well, we seem to be getting on top of things here, which is really good. And our lockdowns um, are starting to be eased and some of the kids will be able to go back to school soon, which has got all the parents extremely excited. <laughs> So Gary, um, let's let's focus in on the Seven Figure Summit. Could you explain what it is and why you created it? Yeah, definitely. So um, this year is actually the second time we launched the Seven Figure Seller Summit, and you know I really love the quote by Jim Rohn. You know he said, "You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with." Right. So I know you know being an Amazon seller myself, and you know like talking to a lot of other sellers, you know like you, Chris, and you know a lot of our um, your friends in the community. A lot of times, you know, we're kind of a one man or a one woman show. We're stuck in the basement just in front of our laptop all day long. So I really wanted to help, you know, surround, you know, myself and other people with high level, successful, like-minded entrepreneurs to kind of, to kind of level up and, you know, show them how they scale their business to seven figures. And actually, um, you know, I also really enjoy going to in-person events and conferences. You know, we went to, um, you know, India sourcing trip last year. Um, you know, I enjoy global sources, um, the summit in Hong Kong, but, you know, especially now we can't do that anymore. So I thought, you know, why not invite the seven figure sellers to teach me and to teach other people online, you know, how they did it. Um, so, I mean, the first time we, like we did the summit, um, it was actually because my wife was pregnant with our first kid and then I couldn't just jump on a plane to Hong Kong you know, as easily as I could before. So I thought, you know, why not invite these sellers to me? So that, that's kind of the, the genesis behind uh, the summit. And then um, in terms of the format, it's uh, a five-day summit. So each day we have about um, four to six speakers. And then we cover the different parts of building a seven-figure business. So it's kind of structured like a course. So day one, we talk about the mindset of a seven-figure um, summit, a seven-figure e-commerce uh, seller. Day two, we talk about scaling that business. Day three, we talk about um, marketing and um, 
branding. Day four, we focus on profitability, knowing your numbers. And day five is all about exits and selling your business. So that's um, you know kind of like the structure of the summit. And it, it's, what was interesting too, watching some of the videos, uh, I didn't get, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to watch all of them, but it was interesting how a lot of different sellers kind of got to the same place in different ways. It was really fascinating to me. So why don't we run through then some of the things that you learned, these top 10 top learnings from the Seven Figure Seller Summit. What was the first thing? Yeah. So the probably the top thing that, um, you know, one of my top takeaways is a mindset. And I noticed that successful entrepreneurs, they get around excuses. So, you know, being an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you're very familiar with with this, Chris, and myself as well. One of the sure things in running a business is that you will face problems, you will face challenges, you will face setbacks, 100%, no doubt about it. You know, whether it's Murphy Law, you know, like whatever it can go wrong, will go wrong, or something (laughs) unpredictable, you know, like, um, you know, like the whole pandemic, and, you know, it's like a black swan. So I noticed, you know, after talking to over 27 figure sellers, what sets these men and women apart is that when faced with these trials and tribulations is that they found ways to get around these excuses, um, you know, these roadblocks. So they did not throw in the towel and hit with these problems that may have caused some people to fail and give up. And one of my favorite examples is talking to seven figure seller, Chris Davey. And um, he's British originally, and then he lives in China. He's a seven-figure Amazon seller. And then he shared that um, one of the big challenges, and he said it was a pain in the butt, okay, to deal with European VAT or VAT, okay, and the whole bureaucracy, you know, all the admin work, the additional work that it, it entails. So he shared that he spent dozens of hours, if not more, just filling all of those uh, cumbersome requirements so that he can legally sell on Amazon European marketplaces. So some people may have given up if, you know, if they face these challenges, they, they would make an excuse, oh, it's not worth it, or I don't know how to do that. But, you know, Chris, on the other hand, he was really determined to get around these excuses and find a way to get it done. So the takeaway here is that Chris, he sees these challenges as barriers that keep out his competitors, Okay. And then especially competitors from countries like China, where he feels probably they aren't willing to go through this whole process. Okay, so in other words, this means more business for him because he got around that excuse. You know, he got all his back done and he's he's legally selling in the EU. He's doing quite well. there. Okay, so that's one example of, um, you know, successful entrepreneurs. They find ways around excuses. And then um, another example was when I was talking to Nick Katz, and then he's a seven-figure Amazon seller. Um, He sells mainly in Amazon Japan and Amazon Europe. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he he shared that you don't necessarily need to set set foot in a country to sell there. So, for example, um, if you want to learn about, you know, all the cultural differences in Japan, um, you know, because, you know, for example, if you're in the kitchen category, Japanese kitchens are designed differently from, you know, Western style, um, you know, American or you know, Australian mm. or European kitchens. You know, it could be smaller in size, different types of appliances, you know, like a rice cooker, maybe instead of an oven, etc. So he shared that, you know, if you can't fly to Japan, and you still want to do research, you know, if you want to see 
um, these kitchens, you can actually just go online, go on YouTube, and then you can type in a search for you know, Japan kitchens to learn more about the different nuances. So, you know, don't let that be an excuse to keep you out of, you know, a certain opportunity. So, I mean, there's more examples that, that, I, that, you know, we have time to list, but I feel like, you know, takeaway number one, at least for me, is successful entrepreneurs, they find a way around excuses. Yeah, I actually interviewed Chris Davey about his business on episode eight, which was a couple of years mm. ago now, I think. And back then, he had built a $90,000 a month Amazon business. And a lot of what he was doing was actually creating custom products that kind of connect with popular products that are already in the market that are really well known. Mm. And so he creates a lot of accessories and things like that. So yeah, he's he's a, he's a product designer and a product developer. And um, yeah, he's a very, very, very smart operator. Um, he also runs the FBA for You meetup group in Shenzhen, and that's uh, right. obviously, obviously, that's not happening right at the moment. But they are now becoming the stuff of legend, particularly around the Canton Fair. So yeah, he's he's very very active in uh, you know in the Amazon world, particularly on the China side. And uh, yeah, I caught up with him uh, last year. Actually, I think it was uh, no, it was a year or two ago when we were at the uh, the Global Sources Summit. We walked the floors together for a couple of hours, and yeah, it was fabulous to see him again. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah Looks, and it's so true. Getting around excuses really, really important. I got a bit paralysed last year. I think um, stopped making important decisions and started coming up with a lot of excuses. So uh, this year I've kind of bouncing out of the blocks a little better and I've, I've readjusted my mindset. And a lot of that's thanks to watching some of those mindset um, episodes that you put together for the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's my pleasure. That Yeah, that's why we do <laughs> this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just I just needed to kick up the bum and actually, yeah, it's anyway, it's very hard to explain. You have your ups and downs, that's for sure. Um, yeah. What was the next thing? Uh, number two is in terms of product selection. And number two, the takeaway is to get off of Amazon to find profitable products. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because what may have worked in 2016 to rank and sell on Amazon doesn't work as well today. So as you know, many of you guys know, the old way of relying just on research tools to come up with product ideas doesn't work the same when millions of other sellers are using the same tools, the same methodology. So, you know, as the saying goes, if you start out from the same place as everyone else, you end up at the same place as everyone else. So, you know, what may look like a profitable product opportunity today can be a flooded market three, four months down the line when there's literally a hundred other people using the same tools, the same criteria, sourcing the same Mm -hmm. product and shipping them to Amazon's warehouse. So to avoid this super saturated, um, you know, this type of market, um, I spoke with our friend, seven-figure seller, Tim Jordan. And then yes. Tim, yeah, Tim recommended, um, like he actually warned us that looking on Amazon alone can lead to saturated niches. So nowadays, Tim uses external sites such as Pinterest, um, such as uh, CrateJoy to find profitable product ideas and keywords, Okay. So mm. Tim shared that he loves subscription sites such as CrateJoy because they source new and trending products that can be months or even years ahead of mainstream demand found on Amazon. So in other words, they're early in the product life cycle. And then if you can get in on this early, then you're able to capitalize on the demand before everyone else. Okay. So... After getting these ideas, Tim then uses the research tools such as Helium 10 to check keyword search volume on Amazon 
to make product decisions. So even though there's early demand for these products, the products usually are not there yet on Amazon. So no, the important thing is that you know he doesn't start out on Amazon like everyone else because that means he'll be stuck looking at saturated niches. So he looks elsewhere and then he validates using these research tools for um, the keyword uh, search volume on Amazon to make product decisions. Okay, that's and, very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a really good way of doing it. Just by the way, people, um, CrateJoy is sort of like a marketplace for people that or businesses that sell subscription boxes. Would that be a, an accurate way to describe CrateJoy? Yeah, yeah. It, it is exactly what, like what you said, Chris. Um, like the thinking is, you know, these subscription box companies, like they, you know, their bread and butter is that they have to find new products, you know, like trending products that people like before everyone else. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, um, I can think of like two of them. One is like, this is pretty niche, but if you're like a baseball fan, um, you know, it's a very American thing. Uh, there's like a baseball subscription box. Well, they'll, they'll send you, um, you know, like baseball gear, like new equipment and stuff like that. Um, and also um, a, di- a different company, if you're like a foodie like me, um, there's actually a, a Japanese snack subscription box company and then they literally they'll source like these new and cool um you know regional things that like snacks from different parts of japan and they'll ship it worldwide so um the thinking is you can leverage based on these like super niche companies like their whole uh, sourcing teams and their their research to find new and trending products that can be ahead of the demand found on amazon yeah, really, really clever. I'm just looking at some of them now, actually, while we're talking. And like, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at some of the subscription boxes for snacks and, yeah, international yeah. ones. And, yeah, it's, anyway, sorry, I'm, I've got right down a rabbit hole right here. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, really good point. Definitely look off Amazon for new product ideas. And, uh, you know, you can, you can actually go into saturated markets if you've got a really differentiated product and deep pockets um, that is just, solving a problem for a customer in a completely different way to what's already on Amazon. And I think Tim and Bradley last year in the Project X, what was it? What project, it was a project, um, the public mm-hmm. project, were looking mm-hmm. at things like you know the wooden egg tray, which I thought was a really clever idea. So everything on Amazon was all made right. out of plastic. And then right. they, they went in with a wooden wooden version of, the, of a similar product and um, yeah, crushed it. I think it's going to make them, what, $25,000 in profit after all costs? you know, estimated this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a pretty good way to start your Amazon career. Yeah. Anyway. For sure. And then similarly, I mean, besides online sites, like, you know, what we mentioned and, you know, there's also, um, you know, non-Amazon sites such as Etsy, where you can, you know, look deeper into product niches to find out what customers are searching for. Um, Another great site is Reddit. So, you know, there's a lot of different subreddits where you can really go into your niche um, to get feedback, you know, even get feedback on new product designs before you manufacture them. And um, again, Chris Davy shared this hack. You know, he uses subreddits in his niche to get feedback on these designs. And, you know, it's kind of like the whole lean startup methodology with uh, the minimum viable product where mm-hmm. you don't want to just like place a, a purchase order for thousands of dollars first and, you know, take months to manufacture and ship it. And then, you know, at the end of the day, if it doesn't sell, then you're out, you know, thousands of dollars in a couple of months time. So instead of that, he would validate your know, product ideas using user feedback, you know, on these uh, niche sites without committing to a purchase order. So this really helps 
shortcut the whole process and take a lot of risk out of the equation. So these are some of the online ways that you can get off of Amazon. And then um, similarly, um, you know, a lot of these million dollar sellers, they're not just sitting in front of their laptops and phones all day. They're actually, you know, getting off their butts to, to find products, you know, offline in the real world. So obviously, you know, as of, as of the time we're recording this right now, we can't really go out, you know, with the lockdown, but once things open up, um, you know, there's excellent ways, for example, with, um, the new product ideas from trade shows as, you know, we're, we're very aware of, you know, for example, you know, in India, the Delhi fair, um, you know, in China, there's you know, Canton fair, you will marketplace, you know, all of these like, um, industry specific fairs and even just, you know, real life, um, you know, going back to Nick Katz, uh, you know, he shared that every time he travels and he boards a train in Tokyo, he spots at least one new product idea just by watching other people just people watching. So I, I feel like, you know, there's many different ways to to get profitable product ideas. I mean, not just going, you know, starting from Amazon, which is very saturated now. So that, that would be takeaway number two. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, let's hop into number three then. Yeah, number three is to apply the 80-20 rule to save time and to increase profit. So, you know, one of the biggest pains, you know, at least for me, uh, being an entrepreneur is the lack of time. Okay, because, you know, I'm running my business, you know, I have my family, you know, we're, you know, we got our, our baby as well. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, to, to find enough time to do everything. So that's why I was so shocked when I interviewed Jason Vandergrint. Um, he's, um, he runs a $1 million one person business based in Canada. And then mm-hmm. he said he's not busy all the time. I'm like, you know, who says that? Right. I mean, he. Because I, I said, hey, Jason, you know, I, I know you're probably busy. He's like, no, actually, I'm not busy. I'm like, you know, h- how's that possible? So, you know, diving deeper into that, Jason shared that he applies the 80-20 rule to, dis- to decide on what tasks to work on. So more specifically, he follows Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Successful People. Um, some of you guys may have read that book, you know, with the time management matrix. There's four different quadrants. Um, mm-hmm. between like the tasks that are urgent, the tasks that are not urgent, and then tasks that are important and the tasks that are not important. So Jason, what he does is that he really cranks out and then he focuses on the non-urgent important tasks, okay? The non-urgent important tasks. So this way he doesn't give them a chance to get bigger. And then this saves him, ta- saves him time later, okay? Um, mm-hmm. So for example, um, in terms of, you know, when he's getting, um, you know, inquiries for, from new potential customers, like he literally, he'll answer them like in five or 10 minutes, whereas like his competitors would take like a day. And just the fact that, you know, as of right now during COVID, like even on his website, he said, you know, we're open for business. Like he's really like, you know, advertising that. Um, so, you know, he really focuses on the, the non-urgent but important tasks, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then talking to some of the other seven-figure sellers, I noticed that they apply the 80-20 rule to work smart to, to get more profits. So uh, in other words, um, like the formula for big profits is actually small work times big smarts, okay? So small work <laughs> times big smarts. So the smarts is the thing, is the big thing you should be focusing on. So. Case in point, Brandon Dupsky, he's mm-hmm. uh, based in America. He built a $1 million one-person business selling one product 
and then working one hour per day by applying this big profits formula. So Brandon really focuses on the smarts and then the tasks that really make money. And then he outsources the tasks that are moving money. Okay, so for example, uh, for his e-commerce business, he focuses on tasks such as creating videos featuring himself and his kids, showing customers how to use their products. And then this helps boost his sales and also boost his brand. And then he shared that, you know, many of his competitors are not doing this, especially um, his Chinese competitors. Okay, so he really, you know, works on the, you know, the big smarts to, to uh, focus on the tasks that are moving money. Okay. And then that's, that's true. So I'm just going to jump in there because yeah, I interviewed him uh, earlier this year, actually, or maybe it was late last year on episode 89. And um, I, I titled that podcast, One Man, One Million, One Year, <laughs> and One Hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's his uh, one, 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 one formula. That's correct. Yeah, it was really <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I, I had to lead off with that. He's also the CEO of Backtrack, which is a return handling uh, uh, service, I suppose. Yeah, so that's really right. Interesting, that's really right. interesting guy. Yeah, it's a great episode. Yeah. That one's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that would be number three. Apply the eighty twenty rule to remember the and also remember the big profit formula: smart work times big smarts. Okay, and then also really crank out on the non urgent but important tasks. Okay. Hey, hey. All right, so Good that tip. leads us. Yeah, that leads us to the next point. Okay, so in terms of scaling a business, you know, one of the the, the very common um, challenges is you want to uh, build out a team. Okay, so um, that leads us to number four: to build a superstar team. So when I was traveling in Thailand a few months ago in Chiang Mai, I met up with Nate Ginsburg, and then he's a seven-figure seller. Uh, from America originally in a digital nomad. And then he spends most of his time traveling Southeast Asia. And then he sold his Amazon business not long ago for almost a million dollars. So uh, I asked Nate, how, how did you build your business and sell it for almost seven figures? And then his answer was that it was because of his superstar team. He couldn't have done it all himself. So Diving deeper, I learned that Nate hired for his weaknesses, okay? So Nate said that he's an ideas person, but he's not so detail-oriented. So he hired people to build a team that was detail-oriented to fill in those gaps to make his business stronger, to really build out his superstar team. And then I, I also wanted to dive deeper into learning about like the benefits of working with the superstar team. And I learned that your team not only supports you, but you can also learn valuable information from them. So, for example, CJ Rosenbaum, you know, he, he runs a, a successful law firm in New York to help Amazon sellers protect their brands and uh, get their accounts back from suspensions. So CJ shares he, he meets with his team every day to learn what's working and what's not because his team members are the ones that are interfacing with customers. So CJ's team is on the front line with their customers every day. So they know their customers' key pain points and the customers' goals. So this information is super valuable because it helps CJ tailor his services to meet their demands and to grow his business. So you can learn a lot of information from your team. Um, and then at the same time, you know, one of the struggles with running a team is to motivate them to perform better. And you know, I've had this 
this struggle as well. Because a lot of times working with remote team members like VAs, for example, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, they may not be that responsive. Sometimes it's difficult, you know, to build out that that um, rapport, you know, some people, you know, may go AWOL, et cetera. So I, I spoke with Mike Jackness and then um, he shared that to build a strong relationship with his remote team, he visits his team of virtual assistants in the Philippines every year. And then he actually spends time with them in person. So he works with them in the same office for about a week. And then he spends time not only working, but also socializing with them, uh, you know, outside the office, over meals, uh, team building activities, and he's even known to to go out to karaoke with his his team members to you know, really build out that that rapport and relationship. So you know that yeah. really helps them. You know, he shared to motivate his team to perform better because they they know you know Mike as a real person. You know, not just you know someone that they they um, you know chat with all day long over Slack. And then similarly, Jason Vandergrint. He visits his team in Europe, and then he shared that he even went to visit one of his team members to celebrate the birth of their child. So, you know, wow. that, I think that that's super amazing that, you know, not only that, you know, they are, they're really, you know, they're key to your success. So you should celebrate, you know, their, you know, their, um, you know, their amazing yeah. things in your lives, right? So, mm. um, and then not only that, I find at least, you know, for me, one of the, the beauties of running an online business is that, you know, people like Jason, um, you know, they're able to not only run their business while traveling and meet their team members, but they can also make a trip out of it. You know, so he shared that, you know, you know, while he's visiting his team members in Europe, you know, he's working remotely and then he takes a trip as well. So I think that, you know, that's that's one of the, the benefits of um, you know building a superstar team. You're, you have that that flexibility. You do. It's a tax deduction. <laughs> well, it certainly comes off. If you know, those overseas trips, yeah, they can be yeah. fantastic. So, yeah, it's really win-win, isn't it? Yeah, I love Definitely. it. Definitely. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, that, that leads us to number five. Um, and then shifting gears a little bit is branding. Okay. So I, I learned after talking to these seven-figure sellers that building a brand right now is even more critical than ever. To, to rank products, to get reviews, and not only that, also to sell your business for uh, a higher multiple, okay? So, you know, given now there's so much more competition and, um, you, know, you know, building a brand is, is really key as of today in 2020. And then uh, I also learned that um, Amazon, they, they give more weight to external traffic that, that you bring in uh, that drives sales. So I spoke with Dave Huss, and he spent over $400,000 on Facebook ads for his own e-commerce business. And then he works with a number of seven and eight figure e-commerce sellers to help rank their products on Amazon page one. So in Dave's experience, he shared that building an audience or a list on Facebook is, is kind of like bringing a gun to a knife fight. Okay. And the reason is that, you know, with that list, you can launch to that list. You can rank new products on page one of Amazon. Uh, you can also use your list to get reviews in a white hat way that's compliant with Amazon TOS. Okay, so it, it's kind of like you know the you know thinking of um, you know th- those old Indiana Jones movies. Uh, I, I think we're from the similar era, Chris. So maybe you can relate. We're dating <laughs> ourselves, but remember yeah. that scene where uh, you know, there was the, the bad guy with, like brandishing the sword in, in that yeah. you know, outdoor bazaar. In the and then, yeah, in the market, <laughs> and then what does Indiana Jones do? Like he just. Like, so the guy, he smiles, he takes out his gun, he shoots the guy dead, right? So, you know, having, um, you know, building a list or audience 
on Facebook, you know, is one of the keys to success. You know, it's kind of like bringing a, a knife to uh, to a gunfight. Um, and then similarly, um, you know, going back to Chris Davy, he shared that his brand is like uh, a roadmap that helps him decide on what products to launch to market. So he shared he can actually map out his product portfolio based on what products will complement his brand and what products to avoid. Okay, so it can mm. you know having a, a a brand can also help with your product development as well because you know you know your 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 dream customer you know their pain points their wants their needs and then you can build out your product portfolio that way and then not only that in terms of the exit okay having a tight brand of prospects this can help you get a higher multiple if you decide to sell your business according to Corin Woodmass. He's the FBA broker, and then he helps Amazon sellers exit for seven and eight figures. So Corin says that uh, this is in contrast to having a, uh, a hero product that generates the lion's share of sales and some other minor products that trickle in. Okay, so mm-hmm. the takeaway is building a brand to beat your competitors. You know, it's like bringing a, a gun to a knife fight. And then it also, it can help you sell for a higher multiple when you want to exit. On the way out, absolutely. Um, And I couldn't agree more. Like having my own brand and being able to, it really does help to work out what what sort of product to develop next. So I was actually, it's funny last night, I was having a dream and I came up with a new idea for a new product for my brand, which I'm about to prototype today. (laughs) <laughs> so wow. yeah it's really interesting how how it just sort of because it becomes top of mind and you don't have like a, a business on amazon or an e-commerce business which is just you know everything with all different types of products and all different types of categories um it really helps you to focus in on the category that you're in uh, sometimes they constrain to other categories but not far away uh and give you that that real roadmap or that sense of yeah i need to do this next so yeah i couldn't yeah. agree more mm. yeah and then I find that sometimes having these these types of constraints, it can actually help with your creativity. You know, like just being within that brand portfolio, you know, in your niche and, you know, like certain types of products, not just like going after, you know, the next, you know, fidget spinner. I, I think that that can help you with, with focus as well with, with product mm. development. Here, here. Good, good points there. Thank you. All right. So that leads us to takeaway number six. So um, in terms of, PPC campaigns, keywords for PPC campaigns. So oh, I yes. learned that yes, yes. you yes. need to <laughs> you need to balance the the data with common sense so you don't pay the idiot tax. Okay, quote unquote. Right. You yeah. Don't pay the idiot tax. Okay. So when it comes to Amazon sponsored search or pay per click PPC, many of you, including myself, um, you know, sometimes we're struggling to run a profitable. PPC campaigns. So mm-hmm. I spoke with Stefano Starkel, and he's a seven-figure Amazon seller, and then he's also the founder of Zon Tools. It's a software that manages PPC for Amazon. It sellers. is. It is excellent. I love Zon Tools. I've started using it on some client accounts, and I've even um, recommended it to some eight-figure sellers. So these mm-hmm. guys are doing hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales a month. Yeah. Um, and it's it's shaved off. Zon Tools for them at, at an enterprise level has shaved um, thousands of dollars a month um, off off their PPC spend for the same result. You know, their ACOS has fallen. And, yeah, it's a great, great yeah. tool. It so, is. Yeah, yeah. I like Zon yeah, Tools. Def- yeah, definitely. I, I'm using it myself as well. You know, we're, we're getting mm-hmm. good results. So 
uh, going back to Stefano, the founder, um, he shared that it, for his strategy in the initial six to 12 months of running a PPC campaign, okay, he aims to only break even with this PPC campaign. And mm. he said the goal is to mine the valuable keyword data from Amazon for search terms that convert. So the reason in terms of profitability is the lack of market data and that Amazon is a pay-to-play game. So uh, he said the more you pay in PPC, he discovered, the better the ranking of your product. And then only after this initial six to 12 month period will he decide whether to shift the goal from break-even to profitability. And then he also shared when it comes to keyword selection, he recommends that you you got to use your brain. Okay, You can't just rely on a formula based on the number of clicks, conversion rate, et cetera. He says that every week you got to download your search term report and you got to manually review each keyword to decide if it's relevant, relevant or not. So in other mm-hmm. words, you know, focusing, okay, he used this term. I'm not going to curse, but he, fo- he says focus on the F yeah keywords. Okay. The F yeah <laughs> keywords. In other words, you know, I think Chris, you know what I mean, right? These keywords that make sense when people search for your product rather than, you know, diluting your budget across less relevant keywords with low conversion rates and wasting your money and dragging down your conversion rate at the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, I also spoke with seven figure seller, Dave Bryant, and then he agrees when, uh, when I interviewed him, um, I asked him, how do you increase profitability, uh, you know, for your business? And then he shared that he cuts out 80% of potential keywords and he focuses on just two to three keywords for his PPC campaigns to get a higher ROI. Okay, so the takeaway here when it comes to PPC, uh, the 80-20 rule, focus on the most relevant or FEA search terms by using your brain to decide whether they are relevant or not. And then this can help you avoid paying the 80 attacks. Yes, excellent points. I mean, Zontools doesn't have a brain. It is uh, an algorithmic-based system. can be a little complicated to learn, but once you've mastered it, it's really good. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's you do need to not just rely 100% on the tools. So yeah, yeah. it's a really good idea to, to use your brain yeah. as well and, yeah, and sort of override I agree. some of the... Yeah, I, I like to, to use that analogy where, you know, with a plane, you know, you can't just fly the whole plane on autopilot. You still need like a, a pilot at the helm, you know, to guide you, you know, with the fine tuning, yeah. right? So I feel like, you know, Stefano, even though he offers this software tool, he said, you know, you still got to use your brain, you know, you can't just rely on it 100%. So I think that, you know, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and, yeah. and also what you shared as well. Mm, yeah. Great, great okay. analogy there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. All right. Yeah. And all right. And then that leads us to number seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after interviewing these seven-figure sellers, the number one quote that was repeated over and over again, okay, um, the number one quote was Peter Drucker's quote, whatever gets measured gets managed. Okay. Whatever gets measured gets managed. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, Chris Davies' products have over a 30% margin, and then he says, you should ask yourself if your part if your product has enough margin for PPC. Okay, so you really have to know your your margins. And then I know a lot of people, and you know I'm guilty of this sometimes as well. Sometimes I'm not clear on my bottom line on my margin for this product. Okay, so Chris knows that he has the over thirty percent margin. So if if he can do this, then 
he can afford to outspend his competition and buy his way to the top using PPC. And then the key is he knows his numbers, okay? And also mm. Chris Rawlings, he shared that now he gets very granular when launching a new product. So every day during the launch, when he is in his team, they're tracking all the metrics in a 35-day honeymoon period. So how many rebates are given out, how many reviews are given out, sales numbers, etc. Okay, whatever gets mm -hmm. measured gets managed. And then mm -hmm. talking to Robin Johnson, and she's a seven-figure seller based in the States, she also tightly tracks her Amazon product conversion rates. So every week, she pulls her Amazon session reports and studies them to learn what's working well and what's not, okay? And then mm -hmm. I know this sounds like a lot of work, and there's tools out there, okay? There's, um, you know, these seven-figure sellers, they automate this process or parts of this process using tools such as Sellerboard to, to track your sales and also tools like SentryKit to track your keyword ranking and also monitor your listings if any there's any changes, if any competitors go in to change your images or if Amazon um, it delists your listing, you know, tools mm. like this will actually notify you automatically rather than you having to manually check or your VA check every day. And then this can help you save tons of time. Okay. Um, and then also seven figure seller, John Cavendish, um, he's a seven figure seller selling Amazon EU. He shared that, you know, when selling internationally to different marketplaces, keep your eye on your Amazon fees to bring your international sales revenue back to your home country and your home currency. Okay. The, mm. the key is, you know, when you, when you take, when you bring this money home, um, in fact, you know, I made this mistake the first year I sold internationally. Okay. When you bring that money home, okay, be very careful about Amazon's default currency exchange and Amazon's money transfer service. Okay. When I first yes. started selling Amazon, you know, in my first year internationally, you know, I, I just went with the easy way. I just thought, Hey, you know, I'm getting my money from Amazon. I, I, I'll just get all my foreign currency, you know, in my you know, EU markets from Amazon. So I mistakenly thought that Amazon would be a good option. And then later on at the end of the year, you know, as when I was reviewing my, my books with my bookkeeper, I, I discovered that, you know, we had wasted thousands of dollars in exchange rate and money transfer fees paid to Amazon because Amazon was charging 3.9% in fees. Okay. Yep. So, you know, if I were to give myself advice when starting to sell internationally, I would definitely tell myself to use a payment transfer service like ping pong, like OFX to lower these international, um, you know, money transfer fees and currency exchange fees. So you can get it down from 3.9%, which is what Amazon charges to 1% or even lower. And, you know, yes. this will save you thousands of dollars over the, the course of your business. So I think that, you know, if, if you guys are listening out there, if you take nothing away, I mean, just this one hack, if you're selling internationally, you've saved thousands of dollars, you know, well worth, well worth your time today. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, um, you know, can I just jump whatever. in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And just Chris. say, because look, for us Australians, that's our situation when we sell on Amazon in the US. And mm -hmm. I always recommend, yeah, either OFX, Ping Pong, Pioneer, any of those guys will, and there's there's a bunch of other ones out there as well that are springing up, but those guys will definitely help you to be able to not pay those extra little fees that Amazon charges. I mean, its currency exchange rate is diabolically bad at 3.9. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, using, I think Payoneer have actually got a deal at the moment, which is about half a percent through through my group, through my Facebook group. So um, mm. I can introduce you or you can reach out to the Payoneer folks that are in that group. 
Um, so, yeah. yeah. Great Definitely. points there. Uh, another tool yeah. that I love using as well, uh, which is to, to monitor my listings is Bindwise. Love it. So it tells you everything about if a category's changed or, um, you know, a hijacker or anything, price changes, changes to listing. It's very, very thorough. So Bindwise is also another excellent tool that I recommend. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. So again, whatever gets measured gets managed. Um, that, that's one of the keys for totally your business. Great. Okay. Great. All right. So moving on. Number eight Ooh. is to s- split test ideas cheaply and quickly. So you know nowadays when you want to validate a product idea, um, you know there's a ton of new tools at our disposal. Okay. So rather than having to you know place a purchase order with a foreign supplier for thousands of dollars and waiting for months for it to arrive, you can really shortcut this process using online tools. Okay. Um, and probably one of my favorite tools as of today, and it's a split testing tool. It's, it's called PickFu. And then this was um, recommended by, by many of these tools of the titans that, you know, e-commerce sellers like uh, Mike Jackness, and Richard Wren, and you know, many of these other guys. They used to rapidly test their, their product images. You can test your copywriting. You can test your color variations. You can test your, your packaging designs and even more. Um, and then the, the beauty of this is that PickFu, they actually have a database of real Amazon Prime customers in the U.S. And, um, for example, you can run a poll and get 50 replies and you can get real buyer comments for $50 in as little as uh, 15 to 30 minutes. Um, so, for example, um, I, I ran a poll you know, using my, my kitchen product image, the main image, and then I ran it against my top competitors to find out which you know image would be the the best converting one and then mm-hmm. um I, I learned that in fact my image um was preferred over the top two competitors so at least this way i, I knew that i shouldn't change that you know i should work on other things to optimize my listing and then there's other cool things that you can do like for example if you want to test you know like a color variation if you're not sure like what color you know, people would like rather than like in the past, you would have to guess, you know, here you can actually you know, run a poll and then you can get real customer uh, feedback on which colors they like, what they don't like. And, um, you know, this really helps to to reduce the risk when you want to you know, launch new new color variations. And also um, one of the cool things is um, you can test packaging designs as well. You know, what type of packaging resonates best with your customers so you can get a better unboxing experience and also better reviews. Um, so that translates to, you know, to better sales as well. And then, you know, so I think, you know, as of today, 2020, you know, we didn't have these tools like maybe just four or five years ago. So this can really help, you know, take the risk out of a lot of the product development process and, you know, you can get real feedback before having to commit to, you know, thousands of dollars to, to a supplier. So, um, you know, the, yeah. these types of tools are, are very useful now and um, seven-figure sellers use them um, very, very often. They sure do. I actually interviewed John Lee, um, co-founder of PickFu, uh, just a couple of mm. episodes ago at episode 91. And I was given a coupon code. So I might share that here if people want to use it. Save 50% off your first test. So if you're conducting a test, just use the coupon code AUSELLER, all one word, AUSELLER, and that'll save you 50% off your first test. Fantastic tool. I love PickFu more than life itself. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more than for sure. For no, sure. All, right. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on, 
Number nine, focus on the bottom line and not the top line. Okay. And this one is kind of ironic because, you know, I named this summit the seven figure seller summit, right? I mean, seven figures, million dollars. That's like the, the end goal for a lot of people. However, uh, you know, I interviewed Anna Hill and then she's a CPA. She's a certified public accountant who specializes in helping e-commerce sellers with their accounting. Okay. So she said one of the biggest mistakes e-commerce sellers can make is trying to grow their business only by increasing sales. Okay. So in other words, top line revenue doesn't necessarily mean you're profitable. In fact, quite the contrary, some seven figure sellers she worked with, they're actually in the red. So they're not making any profits at all. But in fact, they're actually taking a loss. So you definitely want to know your numbers. Okay. And then Mm -hmm. Nate Ginsburg says that this is one of the few times that the 80-20 rule does not apply here. Okay. The 80-20 mm-hmm. rule does not apply here. He recommends hiring a bookkeeper and this can be part-time to track your finances and to put together a profit and loss statement or PL and balance sheet. Okay. And Brandon Dupsky, he agrees and then he says he reviews his profitability dashboard every day. So this way he knows exactly how much profit is made in every transaction. And then also it helps them recognize the product life cycle, okay? Because the the data will tell him if a product is shifting from a growing product to a mature product to a declining product. And knowing your numbers is one of the most important aspects if you want to sell your business someday. Uh, Dave Bryan, he shares that when he sold his business, the business value was based on profits, not on revenue. So by cutting his expenses, he was able to significantly add tens of thousands of dollars to his business's selling price. Okay, So t- the takeaway here is to know your numbers so you can profitably scale your business and sell it. And the 80-20 rule does not apply. Yeah, when I uh, sold an Amazon business last year, I was lucky enough to buy that business quite cheaply, a little bit distressed, I think, that sale. And, and uh, I was able to sell it about nine months later for um, more than what I paid for it. And a large part of that was, yeah, cutting costs Excellent. and and um, and really understanding the mm. numbers of the business and trying to make it as profitable as possible so that when I put the numbers through through Empire Flippers spreadsheet that they, they give you to list your business and, you know, you list all the profits and all the losses and everything. Um, yeah, you could see a steadily mm-hmm. growing trend from the point where I bought it through to the point where we sold it. So, yeah, very, very important to understand profitability in your business, 100%, particularly at exit. Mm. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's a perfect segue to our last takeaway, number 10, Ooh. selling a business. Um, oh, I, I'm th- I think that, yeah, you would agree, Chris. I mean, you... You know, as of today, you need to be smart to get a higher multiple. So, I mean, if if you were to mention that you wanted to sell an Amazon business back in 2015, people probably thought you were crazy, right? I mean, like who in their right mind would buy an Amazon business? But as of today, the landscape, it's shifted significantly. And more and more Amazon businesses, they're now considered a legitimate investment vehicle. So as more investors are getting in on the action from institutional investors to even retirees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that you might not be not you might not be aware of. And you know, I wasn't aware of this. Okay. And this is a big problem if you're thinking of exiting your Amazon business, because as of this year, 
there's an abundance of Amazon businesses on the market, according to Corin Woodmass, the FBA broker. And then he shared that, according to his data, there's only a 23% sell-through rate. Okay, 23% sell-through rate. So this means that less than one in four Amazon businesses that go to market are actually sold. Um, in other words, there's, there's more sellers than buyers on the market today. Okay, so mm. you're probably thinking, you know, what can I do to increase the chances of selling my business and to get a higher multiple? So besides speaking to Corn, I also asked Mike Michelini, who works on the, the buy side at AlphaWalk, as well as Mike Jackness and Nick Ginsburg, who each sold his Amazon business for seven figures respectively to get some different viewpoints. Okay, so I, I learned a couple of key things. Number one mm-hmm. is... Um, you need a tightly focused brand portfolio of products, okay, to increase your chances of selling and getting a higher multiple, not just a hero product and some scattered lesser products. By hero product, I mean something that would generate like, you know, 90% of your sales and everything else just like 10%, okay? Um, mm-hmm. The products, they should be a tightly focused brand portfolio of products. They should be appealing to a common target audience and the products, they should complement each other. Okay, buyers like to see that. Okay, and next, buyers like to see net profit margins of 30% or higher. Thin margins are not attractive to buyers. It may cost your business to be skipped over by potential buyers. Mm. And in addition, buyers like to see some diversification of sales away from Amazon and at Mm. least 30%. So this way, it's less risk for them. In other words, don't have all your eggs in one basket. So diversification can be in the form of selling on different platforms, such as selling on your own site, selling on Walmart, eBay, et cetera, or selling in different marketplaces, such as, you know, besides uh, US, sell in Europe to diversify, okay? And Mm -hmm. finally, give them something they can improve on. Give the buyer something they can improve on. So by leaving some upside to your business that the buyer can immediately take action on, this will increase your chances of selling your business and increasing your multiple, according to Mike Michelini. So he shared, for example, you may have a few more vetted products that you haven't been able to develop yet, uh, maybe because of lack of cash flow, but the buyer can come in and they can get these products manufactured and sold uh, to immediately boost sales, okay? So leave some upside for the buyer, okay? Um, and then what, one of the key things I also learned what not to do and something that's like a huge turnoff to a potential buyer is if you're if black hat tactics are key to your business, this is a huge turnoff for, um, for investors. So just be aware um, if you are, you know, using black hat tactics, you got to explain to the buyer, what can they do to, you know, to, to turn this thing around because most buyers don't want to, you know, risk that um, when it comes to buying business. Okay. So the takeaway with point number 10, selling a business is right now it's a buyer's market. So make sure to have a tightly focused brand of products, net margins above 30%, diversify your sales away from Amazon, Give the buyer some upside to increase your chance of selling and to boost your multiple and uh, try to stay away from black hat if you do want to sell.
Right. That's takeaway number 10. The, yeah, the Black Hat one is an interesting one. I've had a couple of conversations over the years with folks that have bought Amazon businesses that had been built using Black Hat and sold to mm-hmm. them. And then they've mm-hmm. come to me and asked for help to try and turn mm-hmm. things around, not understanding why their business has mm-hmm. suddenly collapsed <laughs> after they bought mm-hmm. it. And then it turned out, yeah, mm-hmm. that there's been some more sorts of shenanigans up and down that little world so yeah be a little careful yeah. when you're buying a business <laughs> really do you yeah. do they'll get someone in that can help you really to assess it properly who is a bit of an expert with amazon and kind of knows all the dirty black hat tricks that people can play um right. but yeah very very good points there and yeah 30 percent margin is a bit of a dream it's not always possible but yeah if you can aim for that that's a great place to play for sure makes it very attractive and diversification is very important too i couldn't agree more there Great, great top tips there. Ten absolute gold gems right there. Gold nuggets. Thank you, Gary. Absolutely. I mean, these are just my personal top ten takeaways. Um, I'm sure if you know people watch, uh, people listening today, if they watch, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg from all of the the valuable knowledge and practical ex- uh, experience in over the twenty sessions. You know, these trainings, these master classes that I had with these top e-commerce entrepreneurs um you know if if they're interested uh they can view the the few the view the full sessions um at sevenfiguresellersummit.com um they they're we're happy to offer a free 24-hour a free pass so you can view the sessions yourselves and you know, learn exactly what you need to do to scale your business to seven figures that's very kind of you to make that offer gary thank you that's awesome. So what was that web address again? Sevenfiguresellersummit.com. Yes, sevenfiguresellersummit.com. Um, Fantastic. And is that yeah. with a seven, the number seven, or is that with seven spelled out? Good question. It's number seven. Yeah, number seven, sevenfiguresellersummit.com. And you probably can Google it as well. And it um, will show up there. So, yeah, I guess Brilliant. I mean, in con- yeah, in conclusion, you know, building a seven-figure e-commerce Amazon bi- business, it takes the right mindset, the right strategies to scale, to build a brand and market it effectively and to know your numbers and profitability so you can ultimately look to sell your business if you want to. Um, and I think right now, um, you know, this can also be a, a good answer to help uh, you know, allow you guys are binging on Netflix, so you can stop binging on Netflix and start leveling up your your e-commerce business with the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Love it! Yeah, enough of the Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was great, great to have you back on, Gary. You were actually featured on episode seventy nine. So if you go to the Australian forward slash zero seven nine, that was our first chat. And this episode is episode 94. So if you head over to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash 094, uh, you'll get all the show notes. And I'll have links to uh, a lot of the resources and the websites and even some of the people that we spoke about today or that you mentioned today. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for heaps for coming on the show and sharing the top 10. That was simply epic. Thank you. No, well, thanks so much, Chris. And I'm super grateful that you had me back on. Hopefully this is helpful to your audience. And um Really appreciate it. You guys stay safe out there. All right. Thanks, Gary. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.